to the Tashi Station Book Club, the bright center in the universe for science fiction and fantasy literature discussion. I'm your host, Nancy, and joining me this month is Bria to discuss Barbary Station by R.E. Stearns. Welcome back to the show, Bria. Thanks. You <laughs> Should are, be fun. <laughs> you are coming for Megan's record. I am. Watch it, Megan. <laughs> Next, we're going to fight over Del Mico. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, that would that would be sad because... I mean, he's such a precious baby. Everyone should love him. I know. We really should. But, but this yeah. is the book club, not the fawn over Del Mico discussion. <laughs> is that the Del Mico fan club? <laughs> no, sorry. Oh, not unless we get Inferno Squad part two. <laughs> oh, I, felt li- I feel lied to. It's all right. We'll talk about this book instead. Yes. So, uh, yes, we read Barbary Station this month. And um, I know I was really excited about reading this book. Um, and results were not as expected. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's just go right into the plot description, shall we? Uh, all right. Two engineers hijack a spaceship to join some space pirates, only to discover the pirates are hiding from a malevolent AI. Now they have to outwit the AI if they want to join the pirate crew and survive long enough to enjoy it. Ada and Iridian are newly minted engineers, but aren't able to find any work in a solar system ruined by economic collapse after an interplanetary war. Desperate for employment, they hijack a colony ship and plan to join a famed pirate crew living in luxury at Barbary Station, an abandoned shipbreaking station in deep space. But when they arrive there, nothing is as expected. The pirates aren't living in luxury, they're hiding in a makeshift base welded onto the station's exterior hull. The artificial intelligence controlling the station's security system has gone mad, trying to kill all station residents and shooting down any ship that attempts to leave, so there's no way out. Ada and Iridian have one last one chance to earn a place on the pirate crew, destroy the artificial intelligence. The last engineer who went up against the, the AI met untimely to end, and the pirates are taking bets on how the newcomers will die. But Ada and Iridian plan to beat the odds. There's a glorious future in piracy if only they can survive long enough. So that sounds great, right? Yeah, I mean, and honestly, <laughs> like at Tashi Station, I feel like all you need to say is lesbians in space and we're already there yeah pretty much and uh yeah 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 i feel like this book is one is you know all those people who say that diversity for diversity's sake is a bad thing and the only thing that matters is a good story like Mm -hmm. i feel like this is the sort of book they have in mind that like you know it's not particularly anything special. Um, and I want to shake them and be like, no, there's all these books over here that are wonderful. <laughs> and and being a, a so-so book has nothing to do with who is in it, you know? Yeah. I mean, the diversity <laughs> stuff I did like. Yes. Um, I thought they did some different – or she did some different stuff with it. But mm-hmm. the overall book was just okay. Yeah, it was a positive. It was a positive thing in this book, and that is why I hate those arguments because it's like, well, it's a positive thing no matter what. So why not just make your books diverse? Because <laughs> it'll make it better. Yeah. But um. Anyway, so um, 
initial impressions, we're both kind of meh. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about the things we did like, because there were things that I liked, um, and I'm sure there were stuff for you. I, I liked the world building and wish there had been a lot more of it. Like, the mm -hmm. whole idea of them res resorting to piracy because they're too much in debt rang a little bit too true to life. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I liked the world building, but also it almost felt like there was too much of it sometimes. In a, like, I'm not phrasing that right, but when we got – it's a new universe, right, right, that we don't really know. And I felt like at times I was struggling to keep up with what the rules of the galaxy were mm -hmm. because we got thrown into it so fast. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No, I agree completely. I I was having a really hard time understanding the technical jargon and envisioning what was going on. And it seemed like there was a lot of over-explaining things that didn't need to be explained um, and not explaining things that did. Um, yeah. Uh, here's an example I can think of. Uh, when they both you know, they finally get mail from back home and they had both been drafted or, re or reactivated in the military back there. Mm -hmm. And they made it seem like such a big deal. And I was like, okay, okay. And then it kind of got dropped and never really mentioned again. So I was right. like, that's a lot of information to take in or not a lot, but like it's a decent amount of information to take in and then not have any, anything kind of go with it. If that, yeah. Yeah. I, ha I've, I felt that way about a lot of, like, threads in this book. Like, the fact that one of the conceits is no one can leave the station, but yet they're picked up by one of the ships. Um, yeah. And you don't, you don't, there is a reason for that, but no one ever, like, mentions it. Like, okay, they don't let us leave, but these, you know, they don't flat out be like, we can't leave, but the automated ships can leave. And la later on, we find out these ships are actually controlled by other AIs that are awakened, they call mm -hmm. it. So because I spent the whole time being like, OK, well, they went out and they got them in and they ha they say, like, these people are leaving the station. You find out there are other people on the station. And um, I I. And, like, people were coming onto the station at the end. These mercs arrived, and I'm just like, I don't understand why they're even letting people on and letting ships off. It was just, it was it was confusing <laughs> to me. And, like, yeah. and the whole, like, different camps on the base, like, it was really hard to me for me to envision the station. Like, I would have really liked a map or something. Maps are great. Yeah. Or a schematic or something. Um, because I kept having to remind myself that they weren't actually in the station. They were outside of it. Because when they, like, go to the Fuji camp and, like, they're with the doctors, I'm like, okay, I don't understand why you're not just all together, like, helping each other. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed, like, unnecessarily complicated without explaining why. Um, but I, I mean, I liked the, I, obviously I loved the idea of the book and it, the first three chapters I thought were really engaging and mm -hmm. they pulled me in, you know, it starts off really interesting and with a bang, 
But then once they get on the station and you find out that the AI is not letting them leave, it just, it felt like the wind was knocked out of the sails. Yeah, I, so I kind of went into the book blind, except for knowing it was lesbian pirates in space. Mm-hmm. Um, so when everything happened, like you said, exact same sentiment of it drawing you in at first, everything going, starting really crazy. And I was going to kind of confuse, but I was like, all right, I'll catch up on the world later. And then I just kept waiting for something to happen. I was like, all right, they're going to get off the station relatively soon. Like they're going to figure this out and then they're going to go have their life of pirate crime. Yay. Yeah. And then it took them the entire book, which it's fine when books do that. Like there's been some really awesome books that I've read where they're dealing with the AI, but those I just felt were better executed than this one. Yeah, I agree. And I, I liked the, um, I did like the scene at the end when Ada finally like got control of the AI. I feel like yeah. that that was the first time for me that whole workspace idea was actually portrayed well. Um, it I had a really hard time envisioning that. And that was one spot where all of the tech jargon just really threw me out of the book because I was like, I'm like, okay, so she basically spends all of her time high and on drugs in order to do her job that doesn't seem healthy or safe. Yeah. <laughs> and I wish they would have addressed, like, every once in a while it seemed like Iridian was close to addressing that, but I'm just like, your girlfriend has issues and everyone who does her job has issues and perhaps that should be addressed. <sighs> But I think Iridian was a little too busy trying to <laughs> angst over whether or not she was going to propose. Yeah. <laughs> because that was the one way I could tell them a part of whose head we are in was, <laughs> is she thinking about how much she loves her and wants to propose, but she can't quite yet? No. Yeah. Okay. It's Ada. Oh, she is. It's Iridian. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did not get that relationship at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I almost feel like, it, like you're saying about, you know, diversity for diversity's sake, like, in in a way, it was kind of nice that they didn't feel, the author didn't feel the need to be, like, justify it or anything. Like, right. it, this could have been a heterosexual relationship, but I would have been equally, like, okay, whatever, buy it. Yeah, I, <laughs> but, I, yeah. If it would have been a heterosexual relationship, I feel like I would have had the exact same, like, this is boring and i don't ship it (laughs) like i kept thinking like i don't understand why they're a couple because they are completely opposite and i didn't see anything like that between them yeah like i mean i know at the end there's like iridians like i'm so proud of you and like that whole like proposal i was just like why would you propose to her in front of everyone when your girlfriend is obviously an anxious like girl Like, yeah. Like, I would be like, ah, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> do not. Yeah. <laughs> Just do not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, um, I wanted to like them a lot. And I, I, I liked Iridian. Um, mm-hmm. but like, and I, there were things I liked about Ada, but like together, it just like there were some parts I highlighted and like made notes on my Kindle. And I was just like, it seemed like every time Iridian talked to Ada, it was like she was talking to a kid, especially when she was in the workspace. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, 
this is kind of condescending sounding and i know that's what not what you mean but i don't know yeah <laughs> um and like i really liked the um the captain is a non-binary character and it's actually addressed in the book like they yeah. and i when i when they, we were first in- introduced to them i was like okay are they just not clarifying whether it's a man or a woman or is it actually a non-binary character and then um iridian asked someone like oh what pronouns do you use does the captain use and they're like captain Captain. (laughs) which was i really like that was a good line i appreciated that yeah and she was just like okay but then the thing that got annoying was like I, i wish i had counted how many times this happened during the book but it was like the the first time it happened when she called when she said yes sir and then corrected mm-hmm. herself and said captain i was like kind of like oh that's funny but she kept doing it and i was like okay i i get that that might be realistic for people to do but after like the second time i was like okay we get it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> although it. even like i feel like a lot of the military sci-fi shows i watch both the men and the women get the 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 sir. Sir. yeah yeah so that was that kind of threw me off i was like is she just trying too hard to not use a gender specific pronoun right and then completely failing or is it i don't know yeah i mean i i like that they called it out though and it was nice to see a non-binary character even though apparently when i was writing my review of the book i forgot the term non-binary i'm pretty <laughs> sure <laughs> I, I in my defense i was on a plane um <laughs> but yeah no i I thought that was one of the that was one of the things I definitely thought was was neat. Right. Uh, what did you think of Pell? <sighs> uh, <laughs> Pell is the type of character that I like. Um, I actually wrote down there was a part when I said that um, I wished that there um, had been scenes from his point of view. Like mm. I, I understand why the author wanted to just go with Ada and Iridian. Um, but there were some parts, like especially when he went off on his own at the end, where mm-hmm. I feel the plot really suffered from not getting his point of view. And and um, it would have made it, like, I, I just think it would have made it a, a more, t- created more tension. Mm-hmm. Because that, that whole end section really f- did not feel tense at all to me. And I think it was the way she swapped back and forth with the POV characters. And, like, at one point, like, Iridian is going off to reboot the AI. And then we get the next chapter from Ada's perspective. And she gets control of the AI. And wait, and I'm like, wait a minute. Did she actually reboot it? Did we skip over that part? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's important. <laughs> and I felt like that happened a lot where she skipped over really important things. Because it was in another character's POV. So. I'm still not entirely sure what happened to his eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still not clear on that. <laughs> like. I I don't. Yeah. Because I, I, there was a lot of skimming going on in the second half of this book for me. And I, I guess the AI like used his, like took his eyes out and implanted sensors in his eyes, which is kind of creepy, and I don't understand how that works. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. And, like, the whole thing with the um, the one guy, 
the previous captain or lieutenant mm, or whoever yeah. who went on. Like, that felt like a dangling plot thread. And, like, I was just like, okay, I, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It felt like, aside from Pell and Sloane, that the the secondary characters weren't quite distinct enough for me to remember. Oh, yes. I agree completely. Um, so, yeah, because there's Iridian and Ada are like complete opposites. So they're easy to, you know, to distinguish. Yeah. The other like main character is the AI Aegisgata, which I laughed because one of the things I... I don't. I don't actually work with it, but like the documents, a lot of times we get like to approve stuff for the SCADA system at work, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I hope our SCADA system doesn't like kill us. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm wondering if that was an accident or not, because I think the author lives in the same like area as you. No, it's it's a common it's a common software. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a common software. That's why I laughed because I was like, oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah. Because then they and they mention it too. They mention okay. it in the book. The oh, it, that's right. It's S C A D A. So yeah, because this one has like the Russian. Yeah, or, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, and then there's like the other ships that ha- that. So they think that Aegisgata is an awakened intelligence, which I thought was a really interesting concept. And I really wanted more of that. And I mm-hmm. loved like the conflict between Iridian and Ada where Ada's like, we, this is like a person and like, you know, we, I, we can't destroy it. And Iridian's like, kill that fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted more of that. But yeah, but then you find out that it's not actually awakened. The other ships are. And then I was really confused because I'm like, wait a minute, did Iridian tell anyone that those three ships were controlled by awakened intelligences or did she not because that would probably be an issue in the next book if she didn't tell them yeah (laughs) um and then i was really confused because like at the end so we have ends with people the the intelligence telling him there's people coming towards the station and it's the people the basically they're coming to arrest them Mm -hmm. uh and so um sloan and i think it's sloan pal trithiest and iridian and ada go off on their own to their base on vesta Mm -hmm. and then the other everyone else who are basically hired mer- hired guns mercenaries go off on their own because they're like we can't be seen with you because then we won't be able to get hired for other jobs and i was just like that seemed really abrupt and i'm like why did we spend the whole book with these people that hey we never really got to know to begin with and now they're gone yeah <laughs> it just seemed like okay like I felt really bad because there's scenes where, like, you know, people are die and the AI, like, sends drones in to attack their their little station and, like, people die and, like, a kid dies. And I'm like, I should be feeling emotion over this, but I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I felt bad. Yeah, I feel bad that we're, like, ripping this book apart. It wasn't... It wasn't bad Mm -hmm. it just 
wasn't good. I feel like it had really good ideas, but it read to me like a first draft. And I know it wasn't because I know, you know, I I know you know yeah. books go through a lot of passes but it just seemed like the ideas were good but they were just it missed a lot of beats for me yeah i mean i like you said there was a lot of good ideas in it like mm-hmm. the whole concept of like the awakened intelligence and the computers was neat obviously we talked about you know lesbian pirates we're mm-hmm. always down for that mm-hmm. um you know gay space up more but <laughs> Uh, and actually, the one thing I liked was that we had engineers yeah. for the main characters. And I thought that was a very different take on on pirates. Because usually you just get that, you know, we're fighting, we're warriors, or like the, we're thieves. Yeah. Sorts of that sort of trope. And I thought this was a different a different take, especially... I thought especially neat that they had different specialities. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's one positive. Yeah, I agree. Like, I liked that. I liked that they were different because, you know, you, a lot of times couples can have a tendency to just, like, seem too like with each other. But mm-hmm. I feel like having them be completely opposite was like, then I was trying to figure out, okay, well, how did they even meet? <laughs> like, because even especially if they're doing, like, different specialties in school, they're not necessarily taking the same classes. So I'm like, how did they even meet? And then, like, Iridian was in the military. Yeah. So I wanted to know when, like, was she older than Ada, or were they both older? Like, because she must have served in the military before going to college, you know. Yes. That's that's what I thought. And I never really got her shield thing. Like, I I couldn't, I, I would have loved a picture of it, like, on the book so I could see what it was supposed to look like. Yeah. Actually, and I got confused a couple times as to whether Ada or Pell was older. Yeah, I yeah, I never figured that out. I mean, I think it was Ada, but it just seemed weird that she had just finished school or whatever. Yeah, but Pell, they hadn't seen Pell in a while. Like that, that's what I would expect it if she was going after like an older sibling, or mm-hmm. maybe I just misinterpreted like Pell had gone off and not done the college thing or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. And then the other thing that was really confusing to me was, like, the other people who were on the station. There's, like, the Fujis who are, like, from a colony ship. I, I, to- I, like, I totally forgot where exactly they came from, but they're on the station. And then there's a bunch of doctors who are from, like, the original, like, the people that settled the station. And they're mm-hmm. also there. And I was just kind of like... I don't understand why you were all not together. <laughs> and I know there's a reason why, but it was never like explained. And and it would have been so easy to explain all this because, you know, Ada and Iridian are new. They don't know how anything works. So yeah. that's the perfect like way to explain in everything. Up. Yeah, exactly. Like as you know, you don't know Iridian because you are new here, so I will explain to you how everything works. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, you know, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> and I, I still just don't understand why more people... I mean, I feel like they touched on it in the book, but it just never quite made sense to me, is why people weren't warned away from the ship Yeah, more. Like, 
I, I know Pell tried to send a message saying don't come, but I, I don't know why it wasn't more public knowledge not to go near the station. Or... Yeah, and like, and then they tried to. So they also the, the there was this lead cloud that surrounded the station, and that was supposed to like suppress communications, which great idea because that's a built-in like creates a lot of you know conflict and tension and you know it makes things hard for the characters yeah but then they were getting messages out and like because yeah. they knew about they wanted to go to barbary station because of all the reports about captain sloan's riches and all that so i'm like can you get messages or can you not get messages? This is yeah, really and then like the, uh, was it like a TV show or something? Yes. Or a radio? Yeah. A podcast, they called it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't, I, yeah. I mean, at first I was wondering was because I was tired when I was reading this, if that's why a lot of things weren't clicking. Yeah. But. And, and I will say, like, I, as a person who writes space opera, it is really hard to keep, to keep track of all of your details. Yeah. And, you know, there are times when I do things and it's like, uh, oh, wait, no, this is the world building thing. I have to go back and fix this, <laughs> you know, or I'll get edits back and they're like, uh, you mentioned this in a previous chapter. <laughs> yeah. So I completely understand. But like, I feel like that's like a fundamental thing, like. So why can't they just send messages out? Like, is it is it that they the signal isn't strong enough, so it has to be a certain signal, or is it just that it takes long? Because if you are in space, like I'm, I'm assuming this this world uses like real life physics, so there's no light speed, there's no like yeah. hypercoms or whatever. So if, I mean, if you send messages from the station, which it's in, it's past the asteroid belt. So if you send a message from here to like Earth, mm -hmm. it's going to take at least half an hour to get there. Like, yeah, possibly an hour, depending on how far out. So, I mean, that's one thing. And then travel time. So you mm -hmm. can send a message you know, for them to get there, but they might already be too far gone, you know, because yeah. you have to accelerate and you have to do so. So, like, it seemed like there was a lot enough there for them to create the limitations, but they didn't actually. It, yeah. 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 Didn't <laughs> hold to it. <laughs> like, I remember, like, in the very early days of the expanded universe when like hyperspace travel took really long times and you couldn't send messages in hyperspace and i loved it because it created all this limitations mm -hmm. and now it's like we're gonna cross the galaxy in two seconds <laughs> and i kind of miss the old way <laughs> yeah we're gonna come out of hyperspace on planet starkiller or starkiller base i can't talk tonight yep <laughs> Yeah. I was just watching that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why. Yep. Um so yeah, um I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to address. Um you know, the plot there's a I feel like there's a lot that happens but there's not. <laughs> yeah. Cuz like they basically yeah. they hijack the ship 
They arrive on Barbary Station. They reveal that the AI won't let them leave. And then it's like there's the stuff that happens in between where like the AI is basically attacking them because they realize the AI realizes that they are trying to like take it over or destroy it. So there's like a bombing. They go over to the Fuji camp. They find this like uh, respirator thing that's making them all sick. And that basically spawns the whole end of the book where Iridian has to go to reboot the AI while Ada is trying to coordinate everything and then take over the yeah. AI, become the administrator, basically. But it took like two thirds of the book to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that that was the problem I think that both of us had was with the pacing. And I, I think yeah. we're I mean, it's this isn't just a you and me issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some of the people who are reading wrong with the book club also said they had issues yeah. getting into the book because of how slow it was after those first opening chapters. Yeah. I feel so like, I just, yeah, I feel like this, I feel like there wasn't enough plot in this. There was enough story for a, a, a whole book of this size. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like it was, she, you know, there was this idea for these pirates to, or for these two women to join a pirates, find out there's AI, like, basically keeping anyone from leaving, and they have to destroy the AI. Like, I feel like that would be, a ru- if you condense this down to a novella, I think it would be mm-hmm. great, you know? But, like, for, a, like, a, you know, 100,000 word novel, I just didn't feel there was enough going on and that's where i feel like if you had other povs like pal or like the cat even like the captain like Mm -hmm. there could have been more subplots going on to create more of of you know stuff going just yeah or even i mean it's a 400 plus page book and yeah one area where you and I tend to disagree is about book length. Mm-hmm. And this will be this will be the one time you hear me say that I think if this had been cut down about 100 pages and just made a bit tighter, that it, it would have solved a lot of the issues we had with pacing. Yeah. Like if it had been 80,000 words instead of 100,000 words, I, I'm, I'm just assuming I'm throwing 100,000 words at the wall because that's... <laughs> That sounds good. Yeah, well, I mean, usually, like for space opera, that's that's typically what they what they try what they say is mm-hmm. a good length. So, like it's like four hundred pages. You estimate like two hundred fifty words per page. That's a hundred thousand words. So if yeah. it's if it's like three hundred, I mean, it doesn't really work that way yeah. nowadays. I but, mean, short version is if it went from yeah. let's say this is four hundred and thirty pages. If it had gone down to three hundred and thirty pages, yeah. I, th- I think that would have helped it a lot because right. there is, I mean, there are books where you can write a person mm-hmm. or people, a couple people dealing with an AI and do it well. Uh, Lightless is yes. the first one that comes to mind by C.A. Higgins. And that's not too much shorter mm-hmm. than this one. Um, but they like her, her plot line in that book was a lot tighter than this one, which if anyone hasn't read Lightless, you totally should. I really dug it. Yeah, and Lightless for me, like, I I kept reading this book and, like, waiting for it to get better, basically, because I had the same issues with Lightless where I was, like, I felt it was very slow, but, like, 
the end was basically like, holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it kicked into gear, it yeah. really kicked into gear. And like, I thought the writing was a lot like tighter, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I funnily the uh, the authors for both of those books share the same agent. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's how I know. That's how I found out about this book. That's funny. But yeah, but yeah, I I agree. Like, and and Lightless is a short book. Like, yeah. It's and um, I I agree. That's I always get annoyed when people would complain about this the length of Star Wars books. Sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, like I I understand like if you read a book and you're like, I wish that was longer or it should have been longer because yeah, some books should be longer. But just seeing a book as three hundred fifty pages, being like, oh. I'm paying $25 for a hardcover. I should get it. Lo- it should be a longer book. I'm like, no, the book should be the length it needs to be. <laughs> yeah, and also, if you're, paying, if you're paying $25 for a hardcover, you're probably just buying it at a convention. Yeah. So, like, Amazon and Barnes & Noble will both give you way better deals than $25 for a book. Right. But, but even, like, would you rather have a $25 book that's a good story, or would you rather have a $25 book that basically draws out because you think a book needs to be a certain length to be good because well the first one obviously yeah (laughs) and like uh like john scalzi writes he does not write very long books i think now like his books are longer um but like his first book old man's war it's like it's like eighty thousand words it's not very long and it like it feels like a lot happens in that book um yeah even though it's just one it's first person it's just like basically this guy going off to war and going training and then go you know fighting different aliens but it it feels a lot longer than that and i think that it just seemed like there was there wasn't enough going on basically yeah i mean now that i'm thinking about this one it sort of felt like there was a map in of the station and everything but uh-huh. we weren't able to see it but we are just moving from point to point to point on the map right um and- like I, i'm trying to figure out a phrase what i'm thinking with that but mm-hmm. it, it felt more like we were hitting check boxes yeah it's almost like a like a if you play a like an rpg game or an mmorpg where you're like going yeah. to different areas or going to different levels on a game like that sort of thing Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> yes. No, that's it exactly. Like you get a new uh and this is not to diss video game writing in the least, by the way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's like you just you hit this area and now you get a new objective on your screen yeah. and you go to the next area. What? Bria, you hate video game writing. Yeah, that's me. I didn't go on a long, beautiful crying rant about Inferno Squad and Battlefront 2 today. Listen, I used to play WoW. I can't say anything. I, I, I mean, it's it's not like I've cried about Mass Effect on Twitter before. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like, I mean, but that's, those are, it's different types of writing. Like Exactly. You know, that's that's what you expect when you're when you're playing a game or when you're reading a book. It's and that and that can work for books, mm-hmm. but you have to write them in a specific way. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's why diff- actually I'm now I'm th- sort of thinking that this might have been really cool as a video game. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, 
Because you'd have to, like, control the AI. Like, you'd have to take Ada's role. And then, like, Iridian, you can, like, blow shit up. Yeah. Let's make a barber station video game. (laughs) Yeah, well, I... (laughs) I, I think it's just it's we're getting to something here about like writing for the medium that you're doing mm-hmm. and then making sure the story that you're telling is the right one for that. Yeah. Because, again, like it's not it wasn't bad. Right. And I think if you're I, I think what I would say to people who are interested who are still interested in reading it after listening to us that if it intrigues you to give it a try because yeah. different, you know, some people juggle geese. Right. <laughs> uh, you might like that. That's I my mean, favorite thing from Firefly, but you might like it because yeah. it didn't work for me and Nancy. It doesn't mean it won't work for you, but it just it just didn't quite click. Yeah. And um, like there are people who really like this book. Like I went on Goodreads and it had, you know, a bunch of five star reviews. And I mean, I know like there's a a, a column on Tor.com. Uh, the author is Liz, Liz Bork. Um, she does a, uh, column every week. Uh, I think it's called sleeps with monsters. And basically she like, she's, she describes herself as like a cranky career woman. And so like, you know, and she loved this book. She was like, this is like what I have been waiting for. And she loves space opera. And she's like, it's a space opera about lesbians and it's you know, great. And she loved, like, she loved it. And so when I, when I read her reviews, I was like, oh, awesome. Like, so I went into this book like hyped, like it wasn't like oh this is gonna be terrible, like, but it just, I guess it just wasn't for me, and that's yeah. fine. Um, yeah, I was gonna say something and then I totally oh, um, so one book we read earlier this year was The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, Planet, and that is a book where not a lot happens. It's very episodic. Every chapter, like, kind of they go to a new place. Um, but the characters were all so, um, like vibrant and different Mm -hmm. and that it, it didn't make it seem slow or like, oh, there's no plot in this book. Like, cause it, I mean, it was really much, it was really to me like a fanfic, like where Mm -hmm. it's very much focused on the characters rather than, you know, there's, you know, scenes with characters sitting around the table eating, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like if this book had had more of a character focus on characters besides Iridia, Iridian and Ada, it might have been more, it might have appealed to me more. Like, yeah. Like, or if Iridian and Ada had felt more developed and distinct. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's an issue when you have to, I mean, there were multiple times it took me a couple of, a decent part of the page to realize whose mind we were in. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily great. <laughs> right. I, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, but there, I, I, I kept waiting for like that side character to like pop on and be like, Oh, I love them. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like I've been reading, um, you know, my, never-ending quest through the Vorkosigan saga. <laughs> <laughs> How many books are in that thing, by the um, way? Well, there are, I think there's 16 total, oh but then God. there's also like uh, novellas and short stories and stuff. Oh, I feel like you've been reading it for 20 years. <laughs> um, I read my first, I read the first book when I was on the Star Wars cruise, which was in February 2016. <laughs> 
That feels like a very long time ago. It was. But I read but I read most of them. Like I started pretty much this summer was when mm. I pretty much like ramped up. Like I read because Tor.com is doing a read through. So I was like oh. trying to trying to go through with them. But then like I hit Brothers in Arms and I'm just like, I can't stop. It's too good. Oh dear. <laughs> but anyway, point being is that there are, you know, Miles Rokosigan is the main character of the series and his mom is, you know, POV character for three other books. And, mm-hmm. you know, his dad is omnipresent. But like there's side characters that keep showing up and you just freaking love. Like his cousin Ivan is amazing and there she wrote a book about Ivan that came out in 2012 and that's the book I just started and I'm like this is just like a side character that isn't supposed to get like most of the page time and then everyone loved him so much that she ended up giving him a whole subplot in one of the books and then like he's in a bunch of the books like with Miles and now he has his own book and I'm like I was waiting for like that character you know mm-hmm. like the Del Mico character <laughs> to bring oh, up the <laughs> But yeah, like that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for like, you know, and maybe if it seemed like she was trying to make it seem like there were a lot of people there and Mm -hmm. if she had just rather focused on like a few people it made them Mm -hmm. more distinct, it would have been. Because I feel like she was trying to do that. But like, like when Iridian went out with that guy, Sipo, like, Mm, yeah, I, I was just like, I think this is supposed to be sad. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can we just go back to Del Mico? I, I feel like that that's a really great way to start and end the podcast is by flailing about Del Mico. <laughs> Perfect angel, wonderful human being. I yeah, I mean, I, fe- I don't have anything else. I don't know if you do. I mean, he. OK, spoilers for Battle Run if you haven't played yet, turn off the podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he hung out with Luke Skywalker, so he did. He was. Okay, in my book. (laughs) Oh, how to write the perfect male character, (laughs) Del Mico. (laughs) Del Mico and Carthonassi walk into a bar. (laughs) (laughs) Which one do I marry? Bye, Carth. (laughs) Bria turns polyamorous. (laughs) No, no. If I have to pick, I already told you I'm gonna miss this divorce. (sighs) Poor Carth. I know. He has Basileta. No, he doesn't. Who who does he have? I don't know. Revan. Oh, okay. I guess that's right. It's been a long time since I played that game. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this has been Tasha's Asian Book Club, (laughs) which you talk about Uh, (sighs) Battlefront and Kotor and everything other than this book. But that's it. You know what? I feel like I feel like it was a nice, it was a great book club. Uh, aside from the last yeah. minute or two, which was my fault, we we talked, <laughs> we compared it to other other novels yeah. and, and what worked and what what didn't work. Mm-hmm. So we liked some things. Yeah. So if you if you were so we would say you know if if it interests you, give it a try. If if it doesn't pull you in, it's it's okay to stop reading it. It's it's fine. Yeah. Um, if you have a recommendation for other books similar to this one or um, if you have other books about lesbian pirates in space that you really enjoy, please tell me. (laughs) But um, so you suggested lightless earlier. That's a good one. Um, My, my suggestion would not 
doesn't really have anything to do with AI, but it does have to do with pirates. I think everyone should read The Jupiter Pirates by Jason Fry. I knew you were going to say that. Which does not have lesbians in it or AI, but it has pirates. I mean, it might have lesbians in it. His, you know, they they never go into his sister. Actually, they do go into his sister. Has kind of a boyfriend, but she can have a girlfriend too. She can. Yeah, it's fine. be like, hey, Jason, the next Jupiter Pirates book. Add in space lesbians. Just do it for us. I mean, he would. I know. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Any other AIs that I can think of? Um, no. I feel like there had to have been one in Star Wars. Callista. Oh God. <laughs> On that note, I'm let's sorry. end the podcast. This is my secret goal: never get invited back to book club. <laughs> Even though I'm on next month, apparently. Yes, you are. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, everyone. It's okay. Let's sign off. Let's do that. <laughs> this episode of the Toshi Station Book Club hasn't been brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers, and we're very sorry. Please click the links on the blog to help us support the show and, and- tell us how much you love Del Miko. Yes. <laughs> You can find us on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore station, Nancy Pants, that's Nancy Flynn I, and Bria, tell everyone where to find you on the internet. At Chaos Bria. <laughs> Yay. We'll talk about Del Mico more. <laughs> you can find our columns on news at Tashi-station.net and our book club discussions over on Goodreads. And we have been remiss in doing the, the Goodreads forum, but we will be um, restarting it more next year uh we have some changes coming to the book club next year so stay tuned uh bria you might be off the hook with being asked to come on because oh okay we will be bringing on a permanent co-host Ooh, look at you fancy is it del mico it is <laughs> del mico <laughs> i'm sorry you know? tg ramini is gonna be my new Oh, on the book club. Please just invite me on book club all the time, then. Oh, now you change your mind. I see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, if we we're, we're gonna do, we could do Inferno Squad and ask him to come on. He that's did. Plan. He did that's such plan. a good reading of it on Twitter. <laughs> that that's a new plan. Get get TJ and Janina on to do a book club on Inferno Squad. <laughs> That would be amazing. That would actually. Oh, I'm sorry. We're trying to end the show and I'm just over here giggling. It's okay. Brian, you can start the music now. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back next month to discuss Cobalt Squadron by Elizabeth Ween. Bye. See y'all.